They may be called the next generation, but they're the church of today. Reach, disciple, and mobilize students to share the hope of the gospel. This is Next Gen On Mission with Shane Pruitt. Hi friends, Shane Pruitt here. Welcome to another episode of the Next Gen on Mission podcast. We are so glad that you are hanging out with us again, and I am so excited about today's guest. Not only is he a friend, he is my pastor, uh, Josh Howerton, as we talk about the call to ministry and the next generation. Josh Howerton is the lead pastor of Lake Point Church, a multi-campus church in the Dallas area. He is a husband, a father, adoptive father, a lover of Jesus, a Dallas Mavericks and Luca fanatic, and right. uh, he is my pastor. This is our home church. Uh, my wife, Casey, is on staff at Lake Point Church. So, Pastor Josh, welcome to the Next General Mission podcast, my friend. Hey, man, it's an honor, and I've got my Luca Ones right next to me right now. So I'm here. <laughs> You're spurring envy within me. All right, that is a prayer request. <laughs> yeah, thank You're you, You're the man. one that... <laughs> yes, yes, go ahead. Yeah, yes. and I saw you preaching in on this week. You know, it's like, gosh, you know, like I need to Bro. focus, but at the same time, I'm repenting of envy. Yeah, man, it was, it was a good <laughs> tension going on within me. <laughs> man, I'm sorry, I caused my brother to stumble. I'm so sorry, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Yeah. And then, you know, like I was just saying, like, you know, introducing you as my pastor, that's probably, yeah, a prayer request, you know, that the listeners can be praying for you, uh, that, you know, not only you navigate everything going on, you got to put up with the Pruitt family, you know? Oh, man, it's so difficult. So <laughs> difficult. Whatever. <laughs> hey, well, Pastor, hey, you know, I always love to ask this at the beginning. Hey, tell us something about Josh Howerton that is fun, that we need to know, that we may not already know. Uh, okay, I, I think I can beat anyone listening to this podcast at almost any classic Nintendo 64 game. <laughs> I'm in. Like, it. especially... I have a very high degree of skill at the original Super Smash Brothers. Yep. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take on all comers. <laughs> that's that's right. it. That's, that's I remember you thing. sharing about that. Yes. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And see, I'm, I think I'm just slightly the generation before you where I would have been more Super Nintendo with like oh bro yeah, i'm in for that too yeah with contra do you i mean you remember i think we all have ingrained oh. in us the code for 99 men you know <laughs> absolutely man the original mario kart yep the yep. best mario game super mario world i mean there was some good stuff on yeah. that uh that system yeah and super technical i think i can track back my love for the miami dolphins to always pick wow. the dolphins on super technical man so Man, I'm really sorry to hear that, Shane. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It set me up from failure. Oh, sorry. That coming from a Cincinnati Bengals fan, you know. <laughs> yes. Yes, pot and kettle. Yeah, awesome. Hey, well, well, Pastor Josh, um, and God has gifted you in such a way where and you can effectively communicate to the oldest person in the room, but you also can effectively communicate to the youngest person in the room. And, man, I know a lot— of uh, our peers and those that are even younger than us, man, really follow your ministry. You're a great follow on social media. So you're really engaging with the next generation. What is something that we need to know about the next generation? 
Yeah, man. Well, um, let me start with something that is not true about the next generation. Um, and a little background for me, you know, um, before I came to Lake Point, I was a senior pastor of a church called The Bridge mm-hmm. in uh, the Nashville, Tennessee area. And, you know, a church plant that uh, grew kind of rapidly. And so we had to grow our staff pretty rapidly. But uh, but because we were a church plant, <laughs> we didn't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so basically, you know, instead of uh, churches with a little more resources, they can kind of buy leaders. Yep. And, uh, and, and we couldn't, we had to build leaders mm-hmm. and we were forced into that by, by the nature of the resources available. And so basically what we had to do is we had to look at a bunch of college students in uh, Nashville, tons of college students. And we had to look at, you know, 21 year olds and we had to go, how can we turn you into 35 church staff members in the next 18 months, yeah, you know? And so this is something that, um, that, uh, we really leaned into. So let me just start with something that's not true. Here's what's extremely not true. I don't know where this came from, but there's a huge misunderstanding that like my generation and down. So I'm 36. Mm-hmm. I'm like an old millennial. <laughs> there's a huge misunderstanding that like my generation and down, uh, are like lazy, demotivated, uninterested, you know, kind of like ah, those, those dang millennials, kind of that, <laughs> yeah, that's that, right. uh, that is in my experience, the insane, um, when we staffed the bridge, what we saw is that, uh, our staff members in their twenties, uh, younger thirties, that if they get the why, like if they really wrap their heart around why they're doing what they're doing, they'll do anything for you. Yeah. They'll work night and day. They'll lay it on the line. They'll they'll sacrifice, you know, time, energy, money. I mean, you you name it, they'll do anything. So let me just say that that's what's not true is that they're lazy, demotivated, uninterested, that kind of thing. Um, You know, just some general observations that I think are probably widely understood, but I think like in leadership development, especially in a church, you just have to be aware of them. I think uh, next generation is uniquely cause oriented, mm-hmm. uniquely cause oriented, which is tied to the fact that uh, that it, you know it's, it's. I do feel like it's a little bit more of a politically oriented generation. Yep. In yep. some ways, mm-hmm. um, I do think that the next generation really struggles uh, with churches and leaders. And by the way, when I say this, I'm not saying that, uh, all political parties and candidates are moral equivalents. That's sure. not what I'm saying. Sure. Um, at the same time, you know, I do think they really struggle with kind of the mentality that, um, a, a particular political party or candidate equals Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a unique obstacle at times. I, I will just say as an aside, um, I do feel like, uh, the next generation emotional health and emotional intelligence is more important to them yep. than like my generation and up. Yeah. Um, so those are some real cursory thoughts. Yeah. I can click on any of those, but that, that's a quick early pass. Yeah, man, at, you're spot on, Pastor. And and I love that you addressed about some of the things that the next generation's not, you know, the things that we hit all the time when it comes to millennials and Gen Z. In fact, I keep it on my computer uh, to quote all the time. And I'll even use this in conferences or breakouts when I'm talking about reaching Gen Z or young millennials is there's a quote from 1976, New York Times, that says the now generation is the me generation. And it was talking about baby boomers when they were teenagers. Oh, (laughs) that's hysterical. Yeah. And then in 1990, there was one from Time Magazine talking about how noncommittal Gen Xers are 
you know, as teenagers. <laughs> and so my, the point I'm making is all the same things we say today about young millennials and Gen Z are the exact same things we said about every other previous generation when they were young. Yes, you know? <laughs> yes dude. Yeah, but. Yes, it's like uh, it's every generation thinks the next generation is the one that sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's no, just that's a, it's right. just a fact. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. why I love, you know, it's like, gosh, we make fun of the participation trophy generation. And I'm like, but who gave them to them? We did. Like, if you <laughs> give a four-year-old a trophy, they're going to take it. You know what I mean? You can't make fun <laughs> of them for it. <laughs> We're the ones giving Fact. them to them. <laughs> so, Fact. yeah. Yes. Well, Pastor, also, you know, in this particular episode, we're talking about that calling to ministry and leadership, and I've heard your story. Would you briefly yeah. just kind of tell us your story of coming to know the Lord, and then God called you at such a, a young age uh, to go all in and to be uh, uh, in, in ministry and to serve the local body. Would you just share a little bit about that? Yeah, man. So, um, yeah, God did. Uh, I experienced what I think was like a genuine spirit led call to ministry when I was 13. And, um, you know, a little bit of backstory there. I'm, I'm a, actually, I'm a third generation pastor, mm-hmm. uh, grandpa, grandfather's pastor, dad's pastor. Um, and so like my parents, like they like did everything in their power to dissuade me <laughs> from going into, you know, like vocational <laughs> ministry. They were like, ah, don't you want to, don't you want to make some money and do something <laughs> fun? You know, <laughs> um, but man, uh, yeah, it's just like <laughs> after I became a Christian and uh, God started kind of changing my life, there was just this growing love for the church. I just became obsessed with the church. I just loved the church. I loved everything about it. I just yep. loved the church. And that grew and grew and grew until, you know, I started having uh, people around me you know, affirming things mm-hmm. they were seeing in me. And, uh, man, I can go into more of what I think like a calling looks like and kind of the anatomy of that. But as I experienced this thing in me where I was just, attr- I was just compelled by the church. I wanted to know like, man, how's the church led? What are the leadership structures? How are decisions made? How are we led by the spirit? That kind of thing. And then I had people around me just like, just kind of seeing things in me that I didn't see in me. Uh, my high school nickname that uh, some football team guys gave me and my freshman year was the Rev, you know, it was like <laughs> Reverend Howerton kind of thing. And, uh, and I just, you know, I don't know. It just kind of bubbled up in me. And so when I was 13, yeah, I surrendered my life to uh, a ministry calling. I was at youth camp in the eighth grade. <laughs> and uh, I just knew, dude, my heart yeah. was broken for it. And I just knew like, man, I'm, I can't do anything else. I wouldn't be happy doing anything else. And so just immediately kind of poured myself into that was really lucky um, to have some people around me that saw things in me that I didn't see in me and just immediately started kind of giving me opportunity to exercise that calling. And uh, man, just kind of the rest is history, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Pastor, you got into it a little bit, but yeah, you know, with that mindset of, you know, especially I would say over the what last maybe 10, 15 years, there's been a, a, a lot more of a heavy emphasis at local churches on missional living, which I think is good. You know, yeah. on some level, if you're a Christian, we're all called to ministry. We're all called to be missionaries. We're all cared to cause to share our faith and be about the good of the city. Like, we all realize that, but like, how do you know if you're called to maybe vocational ministry or to give your life away to the mission field? Are there some things that maybe the Lord does in you to help you know that you're called to that kind of trek? 
Yeah, well, you know, I think the answer is really clearly yes. And just before I say anything, I just want to acknowledge this. Let me give proper attribution. Um, So uh, when I was, I think I was either 14 or 15, um, my youth pastor, Jeff Carlisle, that uh, discipled me, when God called me to ministry, like he handed me a book by Charles Spurgeon called Lectures to My Students. Yes. um, Where, you know, Charles Spurgeon just, it's his lectures to ministry students uh, at his, his Bible college. And so a lot of what I'm going to say comes from that. Um, first of all, I, just, I do think the concept of a ministry calling is biblical. I mean, you see this when Paul is, is the Bible uses the word set apart mm-hmm. um, for ministry. I think it's in the church at Antioch. Um, and it just says like that the, the leaders of the church recognize that God was doing something in this guy's life. They set him apart, lay hands on him, commission him for that, uh, for that ministry and I think that is that is not just a, a descriptive passage. I think it's a prescriptive passage um, because you kind of see that same pattern take place in Timothy's life and the way that Paul relates to people that uh, he was raising up and and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think it's a biblical thing. I think you're looking for three things. Um, I think you're looking for an internal calling, an external calling, and uh, and what Charles Spurgeon called a wide door of effective service. So an internal calling, it's that it's like that inner thing where it's just like a fire in your bones. It's like an, a curiosity, uh, you know, a, a desire yeah. where inside your chest, you're going, I want to do that. I want, I want to pour my life out vocationally, you know, 50 hours mm-hmm. a week, giving myself to the building up of the church and people knowing Jesus. Mm-hmm. So internal callings, desire. Yep. External calling, I think, is like like we have that pattern in Acts where it's the leaders of the church recognize God's mm-hmm. doing something with Paul. And so the second question I think you want to ask is, man, do people around me see this in me? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 it's yeah. kind of that thing where like some people uh, some people say they, they've got the spiritual gift of singing, but nobody seems to have the <laughs> spiritual gift of listening to them. You know, that's right. And, you know, it's, it's like it's yeah. like, no, 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 like, dude. Do the people around you see spiritual leadership in you? Um, you know, does, are they recognizing this in you, and are they speaking honestly with you about your aptitude? Um, you know, God is going to equip you for the calling, for the calling that He gives you. Yes. And so, you know, are wise people around me affirming this in me? And then, why door of effective service? I, I just think that that God is going to open a door for you to minister if that's a calling that he has for you. Um, and so, you know, those opportunities are going to come to you. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of put a bow on it like this. I heard Tim Keller say one time he used those, the categories. He said, man, do you have affinity, Mm -hmm. ability, and opportunity? You know, affinity, do you want to ability? Do you have the gifts to opportunity? Is that, you know, is there a chance to, yeah. That is so good, Pastor. I love that. My my past my first pastor used to talk about are you really leading if no one's following? Talking about the affirmation yeah. that you know, and then he used to say all yeah. the time, he's like, Those who leadeth and nobody followeth, just take a walketh. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I love that. That's so true. Yeah. Uh, That's so true. Hey, well, Pastor, you surrendering and recognizing that call in your life at an early age, I'm sure you had so many pour into you. Of course, your dad, granddad, others. What are some things that people did that were really helpful in you growing and maturing as a leader? 
Yeah, man. So, man, I think a few things. You know, one was uh, was letting me do things before I was ready. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's a really important concept is letting me do things before I was ready. I think a lot of times, you know, and this is just goes to leadership development in general. Um, a lot of times we're waiting for people to like, you know, become who they need to be and develop the gifts they've got to have in order to do, in order to do a role before we give the role to them. Yeah. Um, I was sitting with, um, with a guy that was kind of coaching and mentoring me in leadership in Nashville, a guy named Eric Geiger is actually a senior mm-hmm. pastor of Mariner's church sure. now. Yep. And Eric and I are dear friends and he was kind of, mentor me in leadership. And I was telling about this young leader that I had. And I just said, Hey man, this guy's super gifted, but I'm kind of waiting for him to like develop the heart of a King before I give him a crown. Mm-hmm. And Eric said, no, he's, Eric said, Josh, that's not how leadership development works. He said, here's how leadership development works. Give him a crown and then he'll become a King. Wow. And that, that is what some guys did for me when, uh, when I kind of surrendered to that call is they were giving me crowns and then letting me grow in, mm-hmm. grow into becoming a king. Yeah, that's good. So, you know, as soon as I'm 13 and Jeff Carlisle is going, hey, Josh, you're speaking it. Now, I'm not saying everybody should do this. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> but, you know, he's looking at me and he saw it in me. He yep, saw something yeah. in me that I didn't see. In me. He wouldn't have done this for everybody. Right, sure. But he looked at me and was like, hey, Josh, like, you're speaking at, uh, at, the youth meeting this Wednesday night, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, Hey bro, I never preached before. Like, you know, I'm asking you, Hey, what should I preach about? And just like, Hey man, preach about Jesus and preach for about 15 minutes. Yeah. You know, that's what, that's what yeah. I need, you know? <laughs> and, uh, so he kind of let me do things before I was ready. Yeah. And then I will say, man, like, I, I think <laughs> the number of guys who were willing to invest in me, if I would just pursue them and, uh, you know, and, and actually use the investment, you know, that they gave to me was remarkable. Uh, you know, I, I'll, I can talk about this at length, you know, a little more later, but one of the things that my dad instilled in me from the second I was called to ministry is dad was like, Josh, you need to, you need to learn from everybody you can. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when I was 16, you know, I was, driving up to a church called Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, yeah. yep. And that's, you know, there were like 20,000 people mm-hmm. before churches like that existed. Mm-hmm. And Bob Russell was a pastor at church. And uh, I'm 15 or 16 and drove up there and just, you know, snuck into a, a Southeast Christian members meeting because, <laughs> you know, I figured there'd be fewer people there than at a service, yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And just grabbed Bob Russell afterwards, just said, hey, you know, Dr. Russell, God called me in ministry. You know, I, I really want to learn. Is there any way that I could buy, take you to lunch? I just take up less than 45 minutes of your time. I'll come with prepared questions and record our conversation. Is there any way that you'd let me do that? And, you know, it's a senior pastor at this yeah, giga church. Wow. And he's immediately like, yeah, man, the answer is yes. Oh, you my know? goodness. Wow. And so I, I found all along the way that if I was hungry and people could sense that I, you know, I was actually going to do something with their investment that they would give me access that I didn't deserve. And so Mm -hmm. that access that, that leaders along the way gave helped me more than almost anything else in preparing me for uh, leadership and ministry. I love that so much. 
And, and, and mine's very similar. You know, I was older. I was 21. And I'll never forget going to my pastor and going, I think the Lord's called me to preach. And he goes, I've seen that. And he goes, you're up in two months at the Tuesday morning senior adult Bible study. <laughs> so it was me and a bunch of 70-year-olds at 6 a.m. on Tuesday morning. And I, I never forget this. I preached on Psalm 23. I think I preached about eight minutes. And I think I said amen 82 times, but with a question mark looking for affirmation. You know what I mean? It's like, amen. Yes. Amen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh man, but awesome. those reps and cutting the teeth and fitting that crown. I love that, man. That is such a powerful it, illustration. Man. I love that. That's it. Yeah. Well, I will pass. What are some things that maybe some leaders could have done more effectively? You know, maybe for the, you know, the, the pastor, the college pastor, next gen leader, student pastor that's listening, they have students that have surrendered to ministry. What's something that could have been done more effectively or you wish somebody would have done for you when you were younger? Yeah, man. You know, so, so you you shot me a couple of these questions before this conversation, and uh, this is not me saying that this is a bad question. It's not. Yeah. This is just like a, a personal. Like mm-hmm. I think, yeah. even though my answer to this question is a little, you know, it might be a little non-conventional, and I hope it doesn't rub, rub you the wrong no way. way. It, it may. My answer to this question may kind of may kind of give some insight, especially to younger leaders who want to grow. Um, I just I don't personally. I just don't like this question. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that, and this, that's not a, it is a good question. No, it's sure. just not my, not yep. to me personal. The reason I don't like this question is, um, is because I, I feel like every leader has to develop the mentality. I'm responsible for me. Mm, no, that's that no, good. Nobody that's else, good, Pastor. Yeah. No, nobody else is responsible yep. for, mm-hmm. for my development. I'm responsible for my development. That's good. And so, um, and so I, I, I just personally don't, I personally make it a discipline not to look around in the current or the past and go, what did the leaders do wrong mm-hmm. that could have developed me better? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to have good. the mentality that, you know, I'm owning my development as a leader and nobody else is responsible for that. You know, now, you know, now we've got Lake Point, you know, larger church, larger yep. staff, yep. you know, we've got, uh, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of leaders. Here's my pet peeve. Here's like my all-time pet peeve. Mm-hmm. Uh, my all-time pet peeve is when a, a, a really young staff member, let's say they're exiting staff, and sure. I just want to get an interview, exit yep. interview, and hey, tell me about your time. Kind of, yep. um, when somebody says this phrase, nobody invested in me. <laughs> That's like my you alternate heard, pet yeah. peeve. Nobody invested in yep. Because uh, that, it's that mentality. It's like, no, no, no. You were responsible to mm-hmm. develop you, and until you develop the internal conviction, I'm responsible for my personal development. You're never going to grow. Mm-hmm. You're never going to grow. Yeah. So for me, when somebody says nobody invested in me, what I want to do is open their laptop, point it at them, and say, "Unlimited leadership development material was on this. Why didn't you watch it?" Yeah. You know, it's like That's good. Yeah. you can get on YouTube. And listen to countless hours of leadership development yeah. gold from any pastor you want. Right. So like you own you. So that is a non-answer answer to that question. No, that's so good, man. That's a great <laughs> little softball for you to just like knock out of the park. I love that. And so, and, and yeah. here's the deal is you share that. That's your story. Like you snuck into the membership yeah. class. You took the yep. initiative to go seek out a pastor. And then you showed up with your notepad and pen. Like you showed the initiative, yeah. you know? 
Yeah, pastor, that's good. And so, man, that's a great segue into this question. So for the 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 junior high student, high school student, college student, young adult that's listening that says, you know what, I believe God's calling me into ministry, calling me to the mission field. Others are affirming that. What would be uh, a practical advice you give and one practical next step? I mean, you already kind of put that in there, show some initiative to learn. So what would be that practical next step in that? Man, man, so a couple things come to my mind. One is, let me just piggyback on something I said earlier, is the the most valuable thing you can do is relentlessly pursue pace setters. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by that, so I ran cross country during high school. And, um, you know, this is a true story. The first time I ever ran a 5K uh, on my, it was a public 5K, and in my last mile, I got passed by a pregnant woman pushing another child in a <laughs> stroller and uh, like, okay, like, so I'm not great at this, you know? <laughs> so the next race, uh, I had a, uh, a guy that was, you know, he, he was kind of a coach and, and what he said, was like, Hey Josh, here's, I want you to do this race. And he pointed to another guy on the team. We'll say his name's Jim. And he was like, Hey Josh, Jim is five minutes faster than you. Mm. And he said, man, here's all I want you to do, Josh. I want you to focus. Just your only goal this race is to keep your eyes on Jim. Mm. And, uh, and that, that race was probably two weeks later than the first race. And that race, I improved my 5K time by about, by about four and a half minutes. It's awesome. Yeah. Now, now, here's the thing. Um, anybody who runs knows this. You can't get a lot faster in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't faster. But I ran faster by keeping my eyes on a pace setter. That's good. But in, in the same way, you can actually you can actually lead better than you currently are. Uh, you know, you you don't have to be a, a better leader to lead better than you currently are. How? By keeping your eyes on pace setters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just that. constantly finding people who are doing what you want to be doing in ministry at a higher level than you are doing it. And you, and you do that, you, you get with them and listen, you don't ask them to mentor you because everyone will say no, nobody wants Mm -hmm. like a lifelong, enormous relational commitment. You know, you know, nobody says yes to that. But you do, you just say, man, if I got with you and uh, you know, I didn't take up any more than 45 minutes of your time. I came with prepared questions. Uh, I bought you lunch. Uh, could, could I, could I just learn from you? You know, that kind of thing. Yep. Uh, I still, I, I did that last week. I will fly all over God's creation to yep. get 45 minutes with somebody who's doing what I'm doing at a higher level than I'm doing it. And I've been doing the exact same thing, you know, from mm-hmm. 16 to 36. It's awesome. And so just relentlessly pursuing those pace setters, you know, I'd also just say one thing I've noticed that really kills younger leaders. And, you know, some people might not love this. I'm just being super transparent from leading a staff that was, you know, almost all people in their twenties. Yep. One of the things that really holds younger leaders back is I call it perception principle. Mm. And the perception principle goes like this, that people receive information from you based on how they perceive you. And so, you know, it's kind of the thought that like, man, um, if, uh, if somebody walks up to me and says, Hey Josh, the stock market's going to crash tomorrow. 
I'm I'm going to receive that information in two very different ways based on you know how those people. Sure. If if one guy walks up to me and says that, and you know he looks like he's been living on the street and doesn't have a job, mm-hmm. you know I'm not going to take it very seriously. Uh, if somebody that looks like the president of the United States tells me that, I'm going to receive that very very differently. Sure. Right. You know. Yep. Based on perception principles. One thing that holds a lot of younger leaders back is, uh, is honestly, it's just perception principle. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, how do you talk? How do you carry yourself? It's little stuff like, hey, man, it, you know, I seriously, when I'm coaching younger leaders on our church staff, I'm like, hey, man, is, is your car clean? Mm-hmm. Like, like if, if a CEO from our church, if you got to drive them to a meeting and they see the inside of your car, do they leave going, I trust this guy to, to lead our church? Uh, <laughs> We had a younger staff member that, uh, so I talked about loving Super Smash Brothers earlier, yep, so yep. I can't be too hard on this guy. <laughs> we had a younger staff member that uh, that we hired that every day would come in with a peek with his, he had a Pikachu backpack. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, it's like, dude, our church is growing really fast. Yep. And, you know, we're, we're trying to lead all these, you know, there's yep. CEOs of organizations yeah, in right. our church. Yep. This guy, you know, he's, he's coming in his Pikachu backpack. <laughs> and finally, I just, I literally just grabbed it. And I, and I just said, Brian, I am never going to see this backpack again in this office. I am personally buying you one on Amazon right now. Never <laughs> let me see this again. I love that. You know, and it's, you know, it's little stuff yeah, like, is. man, it is, you know, people need to, let's say, you know, our, our budget when I left the bridge in Nashville was $4 million. You know, people need to look at the leaders of their church, even leaders that are being developed. Mm-hmm. And they have to go, man, do I trust this guy with $4 million, $4 million of the Lord's resources? Yep. Do I trust yeah. this guy with my kid's soul? That kind of thing. Yeah, that's good. Um, and then I think the last thing I'd say is, um, I think we all know this, but man, uh, you can't skip steps. It's like, you got to be faithful with the small things before you're entrusted with much. Yeah. And, you know, every now and then, I, I'm trying to figure out a, a, a way to say this that doesn't sound weird. But like, you know, now, when, when I preach now, there's a, a larger group of people that hear that message. Mm-hmm. And I think some people see that and they're like, oh, jo- you know, Josh is an overnight success. Or, you know, mm-hmm. every now and then people say some, something like that. And it really rubs me the wrong way. Sure. Because I'm like, no, man, like what you don't know is that when I was in college, I put my name in the Nelson Baptist Association backup yeah, preacher right. list. Yep. And I was driving all over Tennessee preaching to 11 people yep. at a you know, Backroads Baptist Church. Yep. I did that every Wednesday for four years. Yep. Like, And I really think that, man, you know, I, don't, I didn't become, like God didn't trust me with senior pastor of Lake Point. <laughs> he didn't start there. Yeah, he started right. with trusting me preaching to yeah. 11 widows in, in, in Nelson County, you know, and, and if I was faithful with those little things year after year after year, then very gradually the Lord kind of entrusted me much. So I just say, man, if you're developing as a leader, like, man, you might right now, all you're doing is you're like the tech volunteer that turns the knobs at the youth meeting on Wednesday night. Well, man, if that, if you want to grow in your calling, you be the best daggum knob turner in the world. You listen to every YouTube video about sound production. You get, you learn from the, you know, whoever's ear you can bend, you learn from it and you become the best one 
that there ever has been. And then what you're going to see is, as you're faithful with little things, God will entrust you with much. But do not despise the day of small beginnings. Yeah, that's good. Because God will never, he's ne- He's always going to start there. Always going to start there. I heard somebody, um, I, no, I, it's such a good quote, I have no idea who said it first. But, you know, I tell all our younger leaders this, the man, charisma gets you in the room. Mm-hmm. Character keeps you in the room. Yep. But competency gets you to the next room. Yeah, love and, that. And those are yep. three really charisma gets you in the room. Mm-hmm. Character keeps you in the room. Competency gets you to the next room. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's good. Hey, I think that's a Josh Howard thing quote. Isn't that the old rule? You just have to quote somebody <laughs> two or three times, and then after that, it's yours, right? <laughs> sure, man. You start with, I've heard it said. Yeah, that's I, right. And then you say, I, I always, as I always say. Yeah, and then I, say, say I, I once said, yeah. Yeah. That's yes. awesome. Yeah. And, and I, I see that as well, Pastor. You know, and what I do of the more itinerant side of ministry is, you know, I get these guys, man, well meaning that have seen me preach a large youth camp or this conference and they'll say, Hey, how do I get to do that? How did what they didn't see was the decade, yes. like you said, where it cost me more in gas to drive there than they gave in a love yes. offering to drive home. You know what I mean? And so <laughs> yes. what they didn't see was yes. years upon years upon years of that, you know, uh, that long Amen. ramp on. Yeah. Well, Pastor, gosh, I, and I knew it was, I love your ability to take really deep concepts and make them in such an easy way to understand and just some great pat- practical next steps. And so I want to close, we always close the podcast with this same on mission charge. And basically the vision behind this podcast is to see the heart of the next generation see themselves as the now generation, not just the future of the church, but the church right now, that they have a mission now, a calling on their life now, uh, the Great Commission now. So would you give us one closing thought on that? Yeah, man. Well, let me just speak to the people that are asking the question how they can develop the next generation. And, and that's it. I I just want to say like, that is the thing that for me, I'm going, that's my primary calling. Mm, The most important thing that I do is develop the next generation of leaders. Yeah. I mentioned earlier that, you know, I'm, I'm constantly trying to get with, you know, other leaders that are leading at a higher level and just ask them, you know, questions. One question I always ask is, what gets you the highest ROI on your time? You know, mm-hmm. what, what gets you the highest return on investment yeah. on your time? And the number one answer, and it's not even close, it's not, you know, study for preaching. It's not donor development. You know, it's not casting vision even. The number one answer far and away is building my team. Mm-hmm. It's building my team. And so, man, you know, as has been said before, you look around a hundred years, all new people. Yep. hundred years, all new people. And so the only thing that we're going to leave behind is the legacy of uh, leadership development that we invest ourselves in. And so I just, I just want to encourage everybody listening yep. that, man, I'm, I'm in it with you. And for all of us, the highest return on our time that we will get for the kingdom is developing that next generation of leaders. So good. Pastor, thank you so much for your time. How can people follow you on social media? Share your handles because listeners, you want to follow Pastor Josh on social media. He's a great follower. So Josh, how can people oh. connect with you on social media? Yeah. 
Well, if you're a nice person, then I would love for you to connect with me on uh, social media. And, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right. Don't, and so don't be Twitter, at me. Don't at me all your that's opinions. That's right, man. Don't, don't, don't bomb my at mentions, man. Don't do that. To me. So on, it's on Twitter. It's at Howerton Josh. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Facebook, it's also, you know, facebook.com yep. slash Howerton Josh. And then Instagram is at, you know, it's Josh underscore Howerton. Howerton Josh was already taken, and I tried to buy it from the guy, and he wouldn't let me. <laughs> what a, what a, what, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, what a handle bully he was. Yeah, I know, man. Yeah, and then share uh, the church's website where people can uh, engage with your sermons and hear your sermons as well. Yeah, totally. Uh, Lake Point Church, name of the church. Yep, and it's just uh, lakepoint.org. Uh, point has an e, mm-hmm. which is very confusing. <laughs> Lake Point with an e. Awesome, Pastor. Thank you so much, man. I love you. So thankful for your ministry and your family. And friends, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Next General Mission podcast. If you have questions on reaching the next generation, please email us at evangelism at nam.net. We'll try to address those on a future podcast. Have a great rest of your day and tell somebody about Jesus.